Hey, welcome back to Spellstorm Miniatures, a show about miniature war games, uh, including War Machine and Hordes by Privateer Press. Our goal here is to inspire you to play more games. My name is Jeremiah. I'm Dan. This is Chad. And we have a very special guest with us. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Will Hungerford. I'm the lead developer at Privateer Press. I've uh, been with the company for uh, a decade now. Uh, a lot of people remember me from when I ran the press game for about five years, but I transitioned from that into running the organized play for all our games, and then in the last few years into the development department, and just recently, in about the last year, into lead developer. Right on. Well, you know, you're the, private, the War Machine and Horse is like our flagship game. That's the game that, that brought the three of us together, and that's the game that's that, awesome. we, that we play the most. And yeah. so we are absolutely excited to have you on board. Um, awesome. One of the things that we definitely want to talk to you about is, is Warcaster, and both Chad and Dan have uh, put together uh, a few questions to kind of get us started. And so I just want to turn it over to one of you guys. Uh, why don't you sure. ask the first question, and let's get this going. All right, I mean, the first thing, right, is kind of your, what's your elevator pitch on Warcaster for those who don't really know about it yet? Sure, yeah. So uh, Warcaster is a brand new tabletop war game we're putting out. It's in Kickstarter right now. And it's the first ever true sci-fi war game we've put out. Um, you know, we did Level 7 back in the day as a board game. But um, our four main games, Riot Quest, Monpoc, War Machine, and now Warcaster. Uh, Riot Quest and, and Monster Apocalypse are, are miniature board games. And everyone knows War Machine, uh, long-running uh, tabletop war game, but it's been steampunk fantasy. So now we're, we are moving into the sci-fi setting. The gameplay is very different than War Machine. This is not War Machine in space. In fact, the, the factions don't have anything in common. Don't expect to see Space Kador. There's nobody with fuzzy hats in, in space. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll see lots the of game... for that, though. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we will. Uh, but the big thing is that the gameplay is very dynamic back and forth. You know, we've had 20 years of game development under the company's belt and have learned a lot from that. And you're seeing a very different approach to a war game, a very modern war game. In the sense that, uh, and we can we can talk more about those details, but it's an alternating activation game. It's a game where your army doesn't start on the board. You are constantly deploying it throughout the entirety of the game, basically teleporting it onto the field through gates you have to place. Mm -hmm. It has a very almost um, real-time strategy PC feel to it, like when you, when you would build your barracks and have your guys come out of the barracks, and you could build your bases further and further away. You're, you're doing that, that kind of thing. Uh, very dynamic back-and-forth gameplay where you're always involved as a player. There's defense roles, which, you know, War Machine never had defense roles. Mm -hmm. So even when it's not your activation, you're still doing something on your turn. That's excellent. Yeah. So you kind of touched upon the type of game it is and, uh, like, some of, the, some of the models we're using, right? I mean, you yeah. described them as the units as a generic term. Um, yeah. What, what type of units are there? Well, there's three types. And, and so let me... Let me pull back just yeah. a second, because I kind of talked about what the gameplay is, but what the, the thematic feel of the game is, it's, it's 5,000 years in the future of the Iron Kingdoms. Mm -hmm. And none of the nations, kingdoms, or anything we really know is uh, still around. It's in uh, a galaxy called the Cirrus Galaxy. Uh, and so that, that, there are narrative connections that people will recognize, but uh, enough different. Like, again, you're not going to see Space Kane running around. Um, and there's and not so, going to be any Space Striker. Either. Oh. There's not going to be a new space striker. Sorry. Oh. McBane train, maybe? No. No, no space oh. McBane. Sorry. Oh, no. Oh, man. So the idea, the, 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 the general narrative is that long time ago, something horrible was happening to humanity on, when humanity all lived on one planet. I wonder what that could be. Yeah. And a bunch of them 
escape through a gateway into another galaxy. And they found this galaxy that had almost no sentient life in it, but the planets were all connected by these giant void gates. And these void gates would open at different times. Sometimes they would open daily. And if you went through one, you would walk through one gate and come out on another gate on another planet. Sometimes a gate might open once a year, maybe if the sun was in a certain position, maybe if this was happening, maybe you had to have a key to open it, all these different things. And then they discovered this galaxy was full of a resource called arcanescence that was more powerful than anything they'd seen before. It, was, it, it grew in crystals, and when you kind of dissolved it, it broke down into this energy that was oil, gasoline, electricity, and magic all all combined into one. Mm -hmm. So humanity begins plotting the trade routes between the gates and begins spreading across all these different worlds in the galaxy. Uh, they use arcanescence and they come up with a new type of science, basically science magic, called neo-mechanica, which they begin using to create everything. Their ships, their, their buildings, their soldiers' arms and armament. Uh, but they can't do void travel. They, they can't get a spaceship to go from planet A to planet B. They, they are incapable of doing so. They can have ships that can hang out in orbit and ships that can fly across continents, but they just can't fly traditional spaceship style. So they're still relying on the void gates, and they're relying on arcanescence to power everything. So when the setting takes place is when the arcanescence is starting to run out. So we get introduced to our factions and sort of what the galaxy looks like, and all of these factions are fighting against each other and, and going to war with one another. When you pick your faction, and we can go to the three factions here in a bit that we've revealed so far, mm -hmm. uh, you build your force out of units. And there are three, everything in the game is a unit, and there are three types of units. There are squads, which is usually three models, and this is basically traditional infantry troopers. Uh, solos, which is a one individual, very powerful, usually above and beyond a typical squad uh, trooper. And then warjacks. There are warjacks uh, in this setting. They are one of the most powerful weapons used when people go to war. Okay, so the, my little sci-fi nerd in me, my heart is like pumping because I'm, I'm really excited about this. But I, I have mm -hmm. a question about the story real quick, and it has nothing to do with the game. Um, but, yeah. you, but you said that they started to map trade routes between gates. Um, yeah. Does that mean we can, they, that we know the other end? They're, 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 it's, they're, there's predictability? I just want to know that just for fluff reasons. <laughs> So to some degree, and that's actually part of the faction. So the, okay. let, me, let me talk about the three factions we know. So the first faction we know is the Iron Star Alliance. And the Iron Star Alliance is this giant conglomeration of corporations, nations, empires, and kingdoms that are all working together under a single alliance and sort of its policies and laws for mutual support and, and uh, resource uh, sharing. These planets that they inhabit are all tightly knit together, and they also have the most reliable void gates. So someone mm. in the Iron Star Alliance mm. is like, okay, I need a shipment of pizza to go from planet A <laughs> to planet B, and <laughs> I know that this right gate now. opens daily. The, other the problem is that their laws and policies are very draconian, and to live in their protection, it's not tyrannical, but to live in their protection, you're, you're going to follow what they tell you to do. If they say there's no dancing on Wednesday, there's no dancing on Wednesday, or the cops will come, from, come for you. <laughs> uh, but the other faction is the marcher worlds. The marcher worlds are those that have gone to the fringes of the galaxy, where the gates are a little bit less reliable, and where there's still planets that, that haven't been mapped out yet, where people don't know where they go to, and maybe the gates go to different places, but they're living their own life, and it's a bunch of various, again, kingdoms and nations that have just joined together in a looser alliance to say, okay, the Iron Star is going to come out here. They're going to come looking for Arcanescence. Let's work together to, to not let this happen. So they're the fringe worlds yeah. that sort of exist, but they have less reliable trade routes. Okay. 
Uh, and then the, the third faction we showed is across all these planets. That's the Eternus Continuum. And they're a cult of basically body horror cyberpunk freaks uh, <laughs> that have, they want to live forever, yeah. but they don't want to use old technology they've heard of that allows people to put their souls into robots. They want to keep their fleshy bits. So they're basically mm. the cyborg faction that they, mel- they do flesh crafting. Yeah. They meld their body oh, into wow. mechanical parts and be like, okay, you're going to keep your face and your brain and your heart and your lungs, but you know, they're like they're like dark RoboCop of the faction. <laughs> yeah, clearly started by Kartev the Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting. There, there's little nods and stuff, and one of the Eternus Continuum solos is called the Marauder, and it's yeah. an individual that's in this big oh. suit of of armor, and it's called Karchez armor. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So there's, yeah, I, there's I, little I nods that. here and there. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be a that's gonna be fun trying to find all the nods. Right. That's and there's the, as more and more stuff gets released, you'll be able to find more and more of them. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So that's excellent. So yeah, now we have a little more idea on kind of what's going with the game. Um, you guys are kickstarting this. Is there? Yeah. Uh, what's the reason behind Kickstarter? I know a lot of people have been kind of like, ugh, Kickstarter, and some people are like, excellent. You know. So yeah. yeah. So you know, in in it's it's a ton. It, it, there's a, there's a, a very great explanation for somebody who's wondering why Kickstarter. Um, I'd actually recommend go to our Kickstarter page, and if you look yeah. at the the page, and if you look at one of the first updates that Matt Wilson posted, Matt wrote this this wonderful almost essay that explained why we have decided to to kickstart something, and it talks a lot about. Um, you know, risk of a new game. It talks a lot about ways to get the product to people. It also talks about the idea that a year from now, somebody getting into Warcaster is not going to get into it through Warcaster. They're still going to their local store. Yeah. Uh, and that we will be shipping this through regular, regular distribution and supporting local stores, that the Kickstarters are just to kind of get the initial stuff, they, the waves of product out there. Yeah. Um, but I think that Matt's words will say it better than I did, yeah. so I'd recommend people go check out that because it's just he he wrote out like I said this like dissertation on why Kickstarter because we knew that was going to be a big question and it was something that we w- we didn't want to wait and react to and be like oh, I wonder if people will be okay with it like we knew people were gonna gonna wonder and so that was all prepared yeah. and and ready for as soon as it started. I yeah. read that last week or whatever, and I thought I thought it, you're, I agree with you. He wrote it really well. Um, this the Kickstarter went live. A week ago, to, um, like last Wednesday, right on the fourth. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just a little, know. almost, almost a week ago. And they got funded like almost immediately. Twenty-seven minutes. It funded <laughs> while we were on the stream. Yeah. So <laughs> that's incredible. we were doing the stream, and yeah. we 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 knew the Kickstarter might go live because you know stuff happens, right? Right. Right. Like, it, but we were told it's probably going to go live. So we had people off the side of camera. Me and Oz are on there talking about Warcaster, and then we get the signal, Kickstarter's live. So we go, you know, everybody, hey, Kickstarter's live, go check it out. So we keep doing our spiel and, and doing the stream, and then 27 minutes later, we made 100K. And so the chat's just like, funded, everyone's just screaming, funded in all caps in the chat. And we're like, whoa, that's okay, incredible. cool, that's awesome. Well, it turns out people are excited about it. Who knew? Yeah. yeah right? <laughs> Oh man, I was super jazzed. Last year was my first lock and load, and I had my son with me. And at the time, he was he was twelve, and uh, and like I was just beside myself, and he was all excited, and you know, because he, he plays. All, we play all the games. We got the Monpak, we got the Riot Quest, yeah. You know, and you know, and he's, he's got a Troll Bloods army, and now we're like, ooh, Warcaster. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really exciting, and it's it's good to have sort of the four pillars established. That yeah. if you come into the Privateer Press community. 
if you're super casual, super competitive, board gamer, tabletopper, you know, more wargaming, like whatever you're interested in, we've got something for you. We have a way for you to come yeah. join the community and play the game. Exactly, and that's that's excellent. Like I said, uh, this just kind of adding on where you had War Machine Hordes feels like that larger scale, very much many rules and interactions going on. Riot Quest is a lot of wacky fun, um, mm-hmm. crazy stuff happening. And then uh, Monpoc has your giant monsters a little yeah. bit, a little bit easier to kind of kind of run on scale. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's definitely yeah. Uh, they all have their own little flavors to it, which yeah. is a lot of fun too. Yeah, and depending on what kind of player you are, like obviously if you're a competitive player, like, I want to play tournaments, and like that's that's your jam. Yeah. War Machine is going to be great for you. Yeah, and if you're like I want to play a game with my nine year old where it doesn't like we're just going to roll dice, have fun, and 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 funny things will happen, and we'll be laughing. You want Riot Quest? Yeah. Uh, and then if you just like cool cool stuff, play Monpoc. Like who doesn't yeah. like giant monsters, body slamming <laughs> monsters into other buildings? Yeah, exactly. I also love I love Monpoc so much because you can play it super casual, or you can play that game so competitively yeah. if you want. Yeah, it really I, straddles between the two. Yeah. And I've seen both sides of that. There's a couple of people in our in our community down here in the Portland and Hillsborough area that certainly play both sides. I play a little bit more casually, but I've also seen the person that plays it like super, super competitively that carefully plans out every single step that they take and I'm like I don't want to put that much effort yeah. into this. <laughs> I just want to throw monsters into yeah. buildings. Right. Come on. Well, <laughs> body slam. Yeah. yeah. I I feel like Warcaster is going to be in that same range that Monpoc is. Okay. Where people are going to absolutely play this game super casually and just have fun and and just go at their own pace. And then there, I'm sure there will be a community uh, competitive community that that grows around it because the the rules are written tightly enough to support such a thing. See, and I was yeah. going to ask about that because I I got the sense that there's some folks around our area who would want to play it a little bit more competitively and mm-hmm. and I wanted to ask you if if you felt that the rule set could lend itself towards that. One of the things that you guys do really well is you do write good rules, and mm-hmm. um, and so that's been like one of the you know just one of the consistent things that we can we can count on. Um, and, but you you think so? You think Warcaster could be for those that are interested? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I think any of the the, the four pillars can be played competitively. I think if you try to try to play competitive Riot Quest, just know you're playing Smash Brothers yeah. with yeah, all the items much. turned on. Pretty like, much, you know, yeah. like a golden hammer is going to drop and you might just lose, and that's, yeah. you just got to deal with it. But yeah, no, I definitely think that Warcaster will be able to to play that way for sure, right. and it's got a lot of built-in restrictions already that you can't have more than four of any given unit. Like everything is FA four effectively mm-hmm. in the yeah. game. Uh, except for the heroes, the heroes are are FA character, yeah. you know, you the, the named heroes, yeah. um, and so I think because of that we we, you know, one thing we kind of pay attention to is okay, if something is too good, will it be spammed? And in a game like this, where when your units die, they go back to your your reserve pool, they go back yeah. to your ship, and you can teleport them again into the battlefield later. Yeah. You could summon them, so you can never get tabled. The only thing that ever perma die in a game is a a, a hero, like a named hero. Mm-hmm. If they die, they can't come back. So immediately it was like, okay, well, if the we can only play test so much, and we have external playtesters that can only do so much. But when this goes to the larger community, if they go, oh, this specific customized build out of a jack is the best, I'm going to run twelve of that. Right. So being everything is FA4, little little design decisions like that are not just for the overall health of the game design in a, in a vacuum, but also keeping competitive play in mind to try and uh, curtail some stuff yeah. that might get out of control. Can I ask you a, a question on the other end of the spectrum? Um, sure. Uh, my son and I were really enjoying the Oblivion campaign. 
um, mm-hmm. is Warcaster, is there going to be like a campaign setting or a campaign way to play? Um, do you see that it would, you know, you already said it could lend itself to a competitive environment. Could it lend towards a more storytelling environment for those of us that are interested in that? Absolutely. In fact, just the base game already is lent its way. So unlike War Machine, where you win by caster kill, there is no caster kill, there is no tabling an opponent in Warcaster. Every game, you have to pick a scenario, and every, every game you play is scenario-based. Right on. And these scenarios are built with narratives already in them, even if it's a simpler one, like go take and hold this, this, this objective or whatever. There's objectives that are permanent that you can go, go like defend. There's portable objectives that you can go grab something and bring it somewhere else. We will have asymmetrical scenarios where one person might be trying to bomb someone else's base and they've got to hold them off for so many turns. Um, its mm-hmm. DNA is built, I would say, even in a competitive tournament, the scenarios that people will be playing will still be narrative just based on what they are. But in terms of like much larger campaigns, absolutely. Right and it also is really built for people to do their own thing. Like if you were like, hey, let's make up a scenario where we do this and this and this, like go for it. It's, it's not terribly difficult to do so. Yeah, especially with the flexibility that you have with uh, deploying constantly around the board. Um, yeah. You can, do, you can do a lot of – there's a lot of flexibility for – kind of going outside the boundaries that Privateer will give with their scenarios and probably building something of your own um, mm-hmm. that might be a little bit different. There's tons of opportunity there. And watching well, the stream that, today, was uh, it was interesting to see how much flexibility there was. Uh, going well, that's on. one of the things we wanted this game to do. Was we So one thing we noticed with War Machine is in most War Machine games, just due to the nature of the game, um, while you're playing on a 4x4 table, there's a, a, a good foot on either side or either side of the player's table that is probably not used most of the game, yeah. right? Yeah. Like they, where the kill box is. Uh, and so, in honesty, the, the vast majority of War Machine is played in probably about a two-foot by three-foot box. And we wanted this game to be more dynamic with the summoning of the gates, and we're like, we want to create things where you can play on the entire table, depending on the scenario you've got. Like, you know, we've shown off the skirmish scenario, which has three points kind of in a triangle and not a not a symmetrical triangle exactly that uh, you're trying to take but we've got scenarios that are in the the rules that people can go find now on warcasters.com that it's like a giant ring of geysers that go all around the board and every turn two of them are are setting off with arc geysers and the other ones are inactive and the inactive ones are only worth like one vp if you control them and the active ones are worth two or sorry worth three if you control them so you want to be constantly shifting around your forces around the board trying to uh, catch the geysers as they go off and stuff like that. And I think if we do do more asymmetrical ones like bombing runs and stuff like that, you're you're going to see people be like, okay, your job is to def- defend this quadrant, and then your mm-hmm. opponent has these three quadrants to come after you. Stuff like that. Yeah. No, that's excellent. Um, I kind of wanted to bring it back, guess down to like you're talking about modding out uh, war jacks, right? Now each yeah, jack you're yeah. saying can have their own hard points, correct? And kind of a, mm-hmm. their own cortex. Want to expand a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah, that was that was a very early design decision from Matt. Like that was that was like in the opening the opening design bible of the game was that the war jacks would be customizable and that every war jack based on its chassis has a certain number of hard points. These could be like left arm, right arm, left shoulder mount, right shoulder mount and then their cortex. And then depending on the jack, it has a set number of build points you can spend, and then the weapons that are available to it. 
so, you know, a jack may have five build points and have a total of seven arm options, three cortex options, and five wow. shoulder options. Yeah. Every weapon has a, a, a build incredible. point cost. And so you can do a jack that you just go, I'm going to put all my points into the, a, a massive gun on its right hand and, like, maybe a little minor, like, you know, a machine gun on its shoulder and leave my other hard points empty, which you can do. Um, or you might try and fill out all your hard points, which is pretty easy to do. It just depends on where you want to put your firepower. The different chassis of jacks for different factions look different and might have different uh, slots open. Like the Eternus Continuum, a lot of their jacks have this gigantic like crab claw on their left hand, and so their left arm hard point is set. You can't customize it. It is always part of that jack. It has this arm. But then all your but instead of having a left arm right arm, it's got right arm hard point and I think like two shoulders. Yeah. So you still get a, a ton of customization. Hmm, that's great. And then uh, you're gonna mold these so we can magnetize them, right? I have they <laughs> so they actually did a uh, a uh, get your paint on stream where they uh, no it was sorry it was a hobby hangout stream yeah uh, where they went over magnetizing and how to do it and magnetiz magnetization is definitely in mind. It doesn't have like a pre cut divot and doesn't come with an earth mag magnet, <laughs> but like. <laughs> The people doing it, like it's not like Bethane. Everybody yeah, who's ever built Bethane yeah. and Belvagor, like it yeah. came ready to magnetize. Yeah. Um, it's not like that, but I mean, they're very. It's very easy to make the mod and do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. and if you haven't checked out that um, that hobby hangout from last week, I believe it was. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. And uh, was it Brian that was on there? It was Brian. Yeah, yeah. Brian. Brian does a really good job of going over and very carefully going through all the different surfaces and things like that of where where to drill, drop your um, drop your magnet, and then go and yeah. everything else with it. So if you haven't checked that video out, it's available on I Twitch, think, YouTube, and go yeah. go take a look at it. It's I a, think I'll it's put it in yes. the show notes so that you know. So as yeah. you're listening, you can just go and click it, and you can cool. read, the, read cool. the article from earlier, and then also watch that video. No, so I know. I mean, you could always add magnets as an add-on. Just yeah. saying. Hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got a question for you, Will. Of the, of the yeah. we've we've uh, three factions have been introduced um, through the yeah. through the Kickstarter. Um, which one are you enjoying the most playing? I'm sure you're playing at you know the office and stuff. Which one of you are you personally enjoying? Uh, I am most. Uh, leaning towards Iron Star Alliance uh, with all their Paladin squads and their wow. their Firebrand Jack, and I just they have a they have a certain synergy to them that I really enjoy. I also enjoy that they have a lot of they're very straightforward, right? Their whole shtick is that they're the the the, the ones with the most resources, the most access to the highest tech. Hmm. So where Marcher Worlds are more hit and run guerrilla tactics, and then Eternus Continuum is more like sneaky, like phasing through walls and and dirty tricks. Um, the Iron Star is just like brute force synergy and power. Yeah. Uh, and I typically don't play things like that in the war games I do play. And so getting to play something like that as sort of a fresh start has just been fun because it is sort of a departure from the normal army styles I, I enjoy playing. Nice. But there's no Gatorman and no Gumbo in it. Right. I don't know how. There's, there's, no, no, space no, <laughs> there's no Space Gumbo yet. Uh, there is, okay, so I know I can't talk about internal emails I send, but I'm going to say one anyway. There is a day <laughs> where I sent an email to Wilson, and what I had done is I went online and I found a cartoon picture of a gator in like a NASA spacesuit with like the, the glass bobble helmet. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's amazing. And I just sent it to him, and it just said, like, I think the caption was, 
I'm just saying. Like that's all. I was just like, I'm just saying. <laughs> Could definitely be. Well, you know, you never know. There's a thousand worlds out there. I'm sure you guys yeah, haven't right. figured out you know, what inhabits all thousand worlds out there. There absolutely could be a bayou planet out there full of, like, robotic or half-robotic gators or something like that. It's totally possible. In my heart, I believe that's true. Yes. In my canon, (laughs) there is a space gator planet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Called yeah. Hunger Worlds. <laughs> yeah, so, right. <laughs> Hunger Worlds is a terrible theme park amusement. Name, like theme park um, name. Like, welcome to Hunger World, kids. I don't oh, want to oh go. Oh God, uh, we're <laughs> gonna leave right now. Yeah, yeah. back in the March, car. Yeah, March or we're back at the spaceship, kids. Get back at the spaceship. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Uh, Marcher Worlds are definitely the ones that I'm looking at the most because I've I've played Circle um, through on and off throughout my entire War Machine career for you know yeah. Ten or eleven years or so, and so, uh, and I really like the aesthetic that they have, and the uh, the Dusk Wolf looks really cool. So I'm I'm looking forward to picking them up. I'm also looking forward to see like what other jacks are going to be out there because I noticed one of the stretch goals that we're getting very close to are alternate sculpts for the jacks. So and we've also seen the heavies. We've seen one of each for all the different factions. Um, can we expect other light jack chassis to be coming down the pipe? Um, we're, oh, down the pipe, s- definitely. I can't say they'll be part. Of, I, I can't say if they'll be part of this Kickstarter or yeah, not. I, yeah, I, I kind of figured that it's probably not going to be this close, but um, maybe closer to like the release of some of the other factions and things like that. Yeah, but I think people should definitely expect to see more more jacks and more stuff for these factions. Okay. You know, and like we so we've yeah. only shown the Dusk Wolf and the the Strike Raptor for Martial World, which the Strike Raptor is like the chunkiest jack yeah, we've was, ever made. I was looking over that guy's <laughs> rules and seeing that there were. Um, two hard points on the shoulders and two in the arms, and then it begs the question: Can I put two of the same gun on each of the shoulder? Pe- like, can yeah. I put two rail guns on this dude's shoulders? And the answer was yes. I was like, oh, that yeah. that seems super cool. <laughs> oh, my my favorite build for the Firebrand, which is the Iron Star Alliance light jack, is double shields. Yeah, uh, I do a shield in each arm because they're only one point. That gives me three points left over to have a shoulder weapon, just yeah. be whatever I need to maul people some, with. But yeah, I'll just some, go stick them on a point. Right with double shields and be like, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> see, I like that. I'm kind of the Iron Star. Uh, that's the side I'm falling towards so far aesthetically and yeah. how they look. Yeah. yeah, I'm afraid. Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that it, you know that I'm gonna you know buy into this Kickstarter and then have a great time and enjoy the game, which I'm totally expecting. And then the next round, I'm gonna be like, oh no, I want that faction too. Next time I have like a million factions, just like I already have a million War Machine factions. I mean, it's, <laughs> that's my problem. <laughs> I mean, that, that's our that's the mini war gamer curse, right? Yes, like it is. we're never free. Yeah. Once once we start, we never stop. My first miniature I ever got, I was ten, and I was playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I got myself a, a little like old, I think it was an old Ral Partha mini uh, to be my character. And then as soon as I discovered like miniatures were a thing, like I was like, oh, I want to get this, I want to get this. Yeah. And then, and I'll, I will never catch up. I will never have all my minis painted, and there will never be a day where I'm like, I'm done. Like, yeah. finally, finally yeah. got them all. Like, yeah. once you start, you're, this is what you do. Yeah, and I, and I work in a game store, and my, my expertise in the game store is the miniature section. So I'm constantly looking at all of this temptation every single day that I work. And every day that, that I think about really it. sounds really hard. It, it is really hard. <laughs> it is really hard, especially when so many of us and I'm uh, there are people out there that are GW fanboys or uh, Infinity fanboys and things like that I've always been a privateer press fanboy War Machine was actually the first miniatures game that I ever got into and I got Mm -hmm. into the game at a time when I wanted to play something competitive 
Uh, but I didn't want to pay to play competitive magic. I didn't want to keep up on it. And so I checked out this miniatures game, not knowing the miniatures games were just as expensive and time consuming. But I've, I've loved every minute of it. And I've been a part of the, uh, the Portland uh, Metro um, War Machine community basically the entire yeah. time that it's been here. So it's, it's been really great. And I'm looking forward to uh, checking out Warcaster more. Uh, I have some Monpok stuff. I've been really enjoying Riot Quest, and I've I've been getting everything since it's been coming out. So I'm looking forward to seeing more wacky stuff with the next rotation, uh, with the Winter Wasteland. And uh, oh yeah, no Riot Quest. Well, we just did a new solicitation that went live where we showed the boss fight expansion. Yeah, with the Malvin that. and Mayhem Jack. Yeah, that Jack looks so cool. And then also the uh, the new Pharaoh guy being a warlock. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Lord Lord Azazello. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I'm really excited because I, so I was lead on I've been lead on RyQuest the whole way through, but about midway through the convergence of Cirrus CID is when they they moved me. So when we're when we're in development, we all work on each other's games, right? Everybody's yeah. working together, but there's a lead on each game, and the lead is the one who makes the concept pitches for new models. The person who says, "Okay, we're going to do this," like you know, this I think this would be a cool story. Let's do this. Matt does final approval on everything. And then the lead is the one who writes the rules from scratch, like blank piece of paper. Mm. Uh, so Oz is lead on Monpoc, mm-hmm. Souls is lead on Warcaster, and I'm lead on RyQuest and now War Machine. Okay. Um, so I got to move over midway through the Convergence CID, <clears throat> which means I got to, like Lord Azazello is one of the first Warlocks I got to write <laughs> from course. scratch. Of Hell- course it was. <laughs> Well, the first two warlocks I wrote from scratch were Helga Two and Lord Azazello. Oh, I'm not biased. I'm not shocked at all. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, how long did it take for you to yeah. develop Helga on Wheels when you got the Riot Quest project? How long did it take before uh, that was day one? <laughs> no, it wasn't day one. She actually came a little bit later because there was some other the other stuff I pitched. I think I pitched at the same time I pitched the Four Horsemans mm. because. We'd already started doing, like, we're like, okay, let's do Weird Window, let's do Flugwog, and we were, we were getting, and then, like, you know, Matt and I were talking, I was like, okay, it's time to get, it's time to get really it's weird. Time to get let's, crazy. let's really give Riot Quest its own unique, like, spin, because there's a separate timeline for War Machine, let's really, let's really get out there, and so I was like, started talking about Helga on Wheels, and he loved it, and then finally went, like, went into Four Horsey Mans, and that's when we started getting into the real, like, Saturday morning cartoon apocalypse feel of what Riot Quest sort of became. Yeah. That's and uh, I have my Helga on wheels assembled but not attached to the base, and I haven't decided if I'm going to have her modeled to kind of doing a power slide or doing a wheelie. I can't decide <sighs> which That's way a hard choice. it is. That is a hard <laughs> choice. <laughs> wheelie would probably be sweet. Yeah. Since we're on Riot Quest, I'm going to have two things to throw out at you. One, you mentioned yeah. the Saturday morning cartoon. Can we expect to see a PP Saturday morning cartoon? Yeah. I wish. I would love like get, get some artists in there. I, I can't so say it'll, a comic strip. I can't say it'll happen. Yeah, the comic strip that the, the the fans did recently was awesome, and I would love during like a, a keynote for all of a sudden the screen to go grainy and it's like an eighties style cartoon intro yeah, yes. with like tracking being bad and everything, <laughs> and then like the cartoon just kicks on and it's you know talking about whatever's coming next. I would love for that. I just. Uh, we've got a lot going on right now, yeah. and I don't know that there's going to be time for something like that. Yeah, we can. <laughs> and then the second follow-up is uh, I'm going to pitch to you a uh, croak caster. Hmm? Maybe like a mm-hmm. croak and a half shell or something like that, you know? Uh, Ironback spitter I, shell that he crawls out of or something. I don't know. Just saying. I feel like if I ever did a croak caster, I would want to get 
super duper duper weird with it. I would want to, this is off the top of my head, literally right now, because I haven't thought about a croak caster because I've got these other casters, but I would want to do a caster that has all its babies in its back and the babies are actually giving it the arcane power. Okay. And like, so you have a, like a hunchback croak with a bunch of little croaks coming out of the back of it and like they're one big happy family. And, uh, but make it cute and not disgusting, but also kind of disgusting at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. If that becomes a reality later, yes. know that it happened just now. <laughs> just yeah, it's time live, time. live right now. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna claim credit yeah. on that one forever. Then. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, my son would be very happy. He yes. he yeah. likes all the croaks. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I love I love croaks too. One of the, one of the fun things about pitching all the right quest models, though, is you know. Obviously, we all have our favorite factions, even even devs. But you have to you have to really spread the love and make sure that everyone's being taken care of. And you have to you have to put your mind into not just the game design aspect of what does this faction need, what would be good for this faction, but as a player, what will be fun for me to play and what is interesting. And every Riot Quest model, not just in the game Riot Quest, but in War Machine, I'm always trying to to think that like, okay, Chuck Dogwood. Okay, so what can I do with him? He's got the wool puppet. He's obviously crazy. Well, you know, let's give him veteran leader constructs. That's something that, like, circle players are really going to enjoy. Let's yeah. give him puppet uh, puppet master. That's something they're really going to enjoy. Um, is it an auto-include in every list? No, he's going to go with Kruger, too, and he's going to go with, you know, uh, some, some wolves. That's going to be really strong. And that's trying to find things Baldur. that aren't... He's going to hang out with Balder, right? Is, is make models that are intriguing, they're fun to play with, but they're not, I absolutely must have it for my faction. Like, because then yeah. you start getting into power creep and, and you, don't, you don't want anything like that. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Uh, I think it looks like the other thing that we had on here is, uh, I guess there was some mention of a skin collector from the oh. Discord discussion about, <laughs> was it a skin and moans? Was it nail? What was going on with that? Oh, we were, yeah, our, our little Portland Northwest uh, Discord was kind of, Kind of rifting off a, uh, a like if we, there was a Riot Quest skin collector. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> you know, I would say that's too grisly for Riot Quest, but I just I just came up with the croak with the babies coming out of its back. So yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe maybe not. Oh, um, the Grimkin models have been interesting because yeah. the the Grimkin models we've seen so far, Weird Wendell and Four Horsemans, are definitely less horrific and more whimsical. Um, but I could see us doing something a little darker one day. Yeah, I don't know if you. I don't know if you can ever say that uh, a Nayslayer or the Four Horsemen's are not are more whimsical. They are a little bit more whimsical, but at the end of the day, it's still the head of a real horse. Yeah. <laughs> it is still the well, and and, a, and a goat like yeah. Morvana's goats in there. Oh, my my poor my poor girl. See, that was the fun you, game of like trying to look and see. Oh, that one's from that person, or there's striker's yeah, horse, or something this. like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, and that's the thing. That one of the things I really enjoy doing is peppering throughout the gear cards, the heroes, and the rules, and and everything. People can start to piece together the Riot Quest timeline story of who made yeah. it, who didn't, and what and what's going on. And then there's even character create like character connections. Like we had Leadfoot and Treads inside the yeah. pig tank. Well, where did they get it? Well, then we introduced General Brug, who is the pig. They stole the tank from, but he's not a real general. He just stole a Signar's a Signar captain's outfit and calls himself general, and all the other pigs listen to him. And so yeah. you're kind of creating this little culture of pigs that are just like making stuff up and then fighting about it. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a lot of little storylines like that. But there's also like in the solicitation for Leadfoot and Treads, it said 
they named the tank Mad Track after their fallen leader. Uh-huh. So, like, uh-huh. that lets you know what happened to Madrak inside the Riot Quest timeline. Okay. Wow. Is that a up Little things like that. That's well, nice. Shard of Rathrock, too, is uh, running around, so maybe Chromac made it. Maybe he didn't. Maybe uh, not. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to... I, I can't wait for the Wastelander model to come out, because that guy's super cool. And uh, yeah, I he, love that model. I, I want to see what his rules look like and everything. He does some really crazy stuff. Uh, he does... I mean, I'll, I'll give you a little spoiler of one of the things he does in War Machine. Um, so he has a... Are you familiar with the rule Whiplash? Yes. That Ares has. So if someone, yeah. if someone targets her with a, uh, a spell... Um, and they miss, they target themselves instead. And if it's an AoE, the AoE is centered on them. Yeah. So he has a rule uh, called deflect, which is the same rule but for ranged attacks. So if you shoot him and you miss, you shoot yourself instead. He bounces the yep. bullet back oh. at you. Yep. Um, Classic Samurai. He has a very high defense, and he has an even higher defense against ranged attacks. Mm-hmm. And then he has a new rule uh, for now. We'll just, this isn't the final name. We'll just call it take a bullet. And what it is, is effectively shield guard, but shield guard says when you hit a model, you hit this model instead. Take a bullet says when you target a model, you can make them target you instead. Okay. So what he does is they shoot one of his buddies, and then Wastelander goes, no, you shoot me. They make their roll, and if they miss the Wastelander, they shoot themselves instead. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, so he's, <laughs> he's jumping in front of bullets for people and then and bouncing them back at people. That sounds awesome. It's pretty fun. <laughs> um... Yeah, well, we could say since you kind of we're talking about pig vehicles and stuff, uh, jump yeah. jump back to Warcaster for a second. Uh, we're going to see any ships or vehicles anytime in the future, maybe. Maybe yeah. we'll see. Right. Uh, ships <laughs> ships might be hard because the ships yeah. that we've shown so far are huge. Yeah. yeah, right. They're they're like more than the size of the table you're playing <laughs> on. Um, What's the problem? Could there be smaller ships? <laughs> yeah, because the thing is they don't really have drop ships as, as much as normal because the getting troops from the the orbital ships down to the planet is all done through the void gates. Mm, that's right. So there won't be as much like, oh, we have to have a, a troop transport in the air that's got 100 soldiers on it because we'll just teleport them in. Yeah. Um, but could there be ve- like vehicles that get landed or teleported in that do other things? Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Where are the jet bikes? Where, where are the, yeah. the walkers that are like a half, half warjack or something? Oh, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we will see. We will see. <laughs> um, I guess... Going back to Warcaster a little bit and uh, mm-hmm. talking about Kickstarter some. Uh, so we see these three initial factions um, mm-hmm. in the initial Kickstarter. And I think in in some of the information about Kickstarter, talking about the future and everything like that, uh, about there being another Kickstarter wave basically um, like four or five months down the line. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that kind of the way that uh, you guys are going to be pushing the waves of different releases and are we going to see new factions with each of those waves do you know or can you can you say i would say for the time being like you expect to see like each each major new wave come out through kickstarter and then you know it won't be it won't be back available later like you'll have to go to your your local store to pick it up right yeah. and to continue carrying yeah. it um and i would say definitely expect any new factions that might get released to be done the same way as for when or if any might be coming, I can't say that just yet. Okay, no, that's fine. I figured. 
Yeah. Um, there's just, you know, there's talk of a thousand different worlds. We see three different factions, and I know some people are chomping at the bits for these ones, and some people are still holding their reservations for maybe some other cool stuff that's coming down the line, like some space gators or yeah. something. Or an insect. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Giant I see a lot of people online talking about where are the aliens. They're asking right. where, where, you yeah. know, where, when we're going to first look, and yeah. so we'll see. I mean, we humans do a pretty good job of spreading out and setting up tents, but... <laughs> Yeah. A thousand worlds is still a lot. <laughs> it is still a lot. You're right. Yeah. So with this Kickstarter, um, we're gonna are we gonna be able to see a Warcaster in action at Lock and Load, or is there gonna be events? It's. I would love to see that happen. I think the delivery date listed right now is July 2020. Okay. And so with that being the case, um, you know, if it does come out earlier, great. Um, if it comes out. After that would be after lock and load. Now, is there a chance that we will just bring miniatures for people to play with and have tables set up? That is very much a possibility. Okay. But okay. I know that logistically, um, John and the convention team are sorting through a lot of that. So yeah. I can't say with certainty right now, but I would definitely like to see it. Okay, that'd be cool. Um, there was there was one other thing that I was looking over the uh, the playtest rules and things like that, and noticed mm -hmm. that uh, all of the cipher cards are the same for each of the three different factions. Are there any yes. plans for any faction specific ciphers, or was that something that you guys wanted to avoid in the development? Uh, I would say that faction specific ciphers would definitely be an excellent piece of design space to be able to utilize in the future. Okay, right on. Yeah, that's good. Right on. Then uh, I'm going to touch upon like some of the alt sculpts mentioned in the Kickstarter. Now, mm -hmm. are these alt sculpts only available through the Kickstarter? Any plans on them being able to be purchasable? Purchasable, or kind of? I I honestly don't know the okay. answer to that one. Okay. I imagine yeah. I imagine that they would be. If nothing else, they might be like con exclusives, like the con exclusive Weaver yeah. we're doing at Adepticon. Yeah. But um, as development. Stuff like an alternate sculpt, we're often separated from the production decisions and then yeah. the business decisions. Like we're just more on the making the game and the rules and and pitching the concepts of what will become a model. But cool stuff like that, we're not always involved in, and I I just don't know. Okay, so if you want those alt sculpts, get in the Kickstarter. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'd recommend it. I mean, you may have a chance later. I don't want people to think like, oh, this is my only shot. Yeah. But I mean, you are a miniatures yeah. company after all. You right. like you like making and selling miniatures, so. No, that is yes. I, yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, probably start seeing them con exclusives. I would. I wouldn't be surprised if that yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. Moving forward. So I got a question for you, just about what you're playing currently. Um, mm -hmm. Is are, are most of your games right now Warcaster? Are you fifty fifty, or are you sixty forty, or where are you spending most of your time right now, personally? Are, are we talking before work or personally? Ooh, good question. Mm. How about? You personally, yeah. You, what are you playing? You okay. personally, what are you playing on a on yeah. an evening after you get done of a long, hard day of testing your <laughs> <and> work? <laughs> so I seen the. Wrist. I have, I have, um, uh, I guess a a, a a belief. I'll just call it a belief. Okay. In my mind, if you are doing anything in a creative position, you need to absorb as much of that medium as you possibly can. So, if you're an author, you should read as many books as you can. If you're a filmmaker, you should watch as many movies as you can. If you make music, you should listen to as much music as you can, and not just the kind that you do. Like, if you make horror movies, you don't just have to watch horror movies. You should watch everything yeah, from, yeah. from 60s westerns to modern-day rom-coms. 
gather as much as you can from your entire genre, not to plagiarize, but to get the full experience and see what else is out there and understand trends and, and maybe see potential that you didn't see before. So I subscribe to that when it comes to, to game design. So I play everything I can get my hands on. Um, I play tons of board games, card games, video games, RPGs, war games, you, you name it. Uh, I've got my stuff that's always kind of in my regular rotation, but I will try out anything. And, and you never know where you're going to find inspiration. You know, you might yeah. play a kid's game with somebody for the first time, and all of a sudden be like, whoa, they're doing something really cool here mechanically, and like, you know, kind of learn from it. So what I play in my personal time is I have a, a, a game club I go to downtown Seattle that is basically a bunch of us that are sort of in the industry, uh, and it's like a, a little private spot we go and we just play all kinds of stuff and then i will usually meet up with people once outside of there a week and then i've got an rpg i run every sunday as well nice. and then i have buddies that have board game nights so my answer my actual honest answer is just a little bit of everything yeah i think we all do a lot of that here too yeah. <laughs> um my personal uh, motto is to play all the games and uh, and I get I get some flack for that sometimes, but yeah. uh, I'm with you. <laughs> but it, it's true, right? And like, and, and there's things that I I know were good, but I never like. So recently, my girlfriend and I uh, started playing Arkham Horror, the nice. uh, the yeah. LCG, right? And yeah. we had played Lord of the Rings, and really enjoyed it. And we knew Arkham Horror was good. We just had never picked it up and and played it because we were working through. What was the last ones we were doing? We were doing we went we were, we were doing Castle Ravenloft, the board game, just because oh, we hadn't yeah. finished it. Very cool. And so we finished that one. We're like, hey, we were kind of on a little bit of a horror kick. And we're like, you know what? It's time for, time for Arkham Horror. And so play Arkham Horror. And then, like, she, you know, we, we can play Riot Quest. We can play whatever we want. And I don't know. Just, it's a weird potpourri, but I think it works out really well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I want to thank you for taking your time with us um, today, and um, I know you have more to do, but I wanted to uh, just ask um, for any closing thoughts from either one of my guests, or my you or my host here. What's what's on your painting table? That was I was going to end with that question, ah. but no, that's <laughs> I want to know, know that too. But yeah, uh, what's on my painting table right now yeah. is I've got three different projects. Um, I am working on speed painting some monster apocalypse. I've been trying to work on flesh colored Cthulhu, and I yeah. want to make them look as oh, disgusting yeah. as possible. I've, yeah. I've heard about Gross. this, and I've seen a couple of your uh, Twitter posts about it. Yeah. yeah, so I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out something I can speed paint, uh, just because my time right now is a little limited, and I want something I can do, but it'll still look good on the table. Yeah. And then my idea is, once I get to the Cthulhu up, I want to get Globicus, the the new toxic waste monster, mm-hmm. and I want to paint him flesh. And I figure that would be one of the most horrific things I've ever done. Oh man, like uh, clay face, but worse. Yeah, there's two. Of yeah. Them. Oh jeez. <laughs> you know, maybe even get some little like uh, some some brown texture to look like hair, and just have clumps of hair kind of coming out of him, kind of thing. Uh, I like to horrify my opponents sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Win on intimidation. Uh, I don't have any personal Warcaster models yet, so I'm, I'm working on keeping up with all my, my Riot Quest. Yeah. And then a lot of my table right now is I run a, uh, a homebrew D&D game every Sunday that I've been running for know, it's over 20 years now. That we've had different groups. So I've had people who have been in it for like 15 years at this point. Wow. Um, and so I spend a lot of time getting miniatures from our company, from other companies, from you know wherever I can find that m- match what I'm looking for, because uh, you never know where you're going to find the right thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. And right. 
you know, uh, we definitely play where we don't use miniatures. We're not, we're not playing it like a board game. We do a lot of just, you know, use your imagination. But there's some situations, a lot of situations that will come up where it's like there's enough going on that we need to put the miniatures down on the table so that people will have a, an idea of, okay, I'm here in relation yeah. to this guy kind of thing. And when we do that, we don't like to do just the, the, uh, a blank piece of paper with some lines on it and go, okay, you're here and here. Like, we, we go all out. Um, <laughs> so as recently, we're, I'm running a, a naval-based campaign, and I went and got that gigantic WizKids boat, oh, the, yeah. the full-size yes. one. Oh, yes. yeah. I think so. And that, that's the boat that they've, they've commandeered, and they're, they're running around and... And I was like, man, I wonder how many times I'm actually going to use this boat. And it turns out a whole bunch. Yeah. But, it's, you know, we, we, we like to have the table look as close as it can to what's actually happening as possible. That's cool. That's pretty awesome. That's Is it. that where you got the idea for Hull Grinder? Uh, well, Hull Grinder came from two parts. Okay. Uh, one, yes. And two, <laughs> uh, I think when Hull Grinder was happening was shortly after, or when the first... Uh, concepts of Holgren were having was really after the pirate CID had just ended, so pirates were on my mind yeah. in the first place. Yeah, mm. right on, right on. Dan, did you have anything? Oh, um, just mainly thank you for you know coming on. I mean, I would I would love to you know dive into Trolls Pharaoh mashup, but that could take us a lot more than a few minutes. So we, we can always, we can always do this again later, yes. right? Yeah. This doesn't have to be the only podcast I'm ever on. <laughs> right. right, we would love that. Uh, for sure. now, we just want to wish you success. Um, we're excited Thank about you. all the games that you guys are are putting out there. And like I said, we we're total fanboys. We play them all, and uh, and we're really looking forward. I know I'm personally looking forward to Warcaster big time. Uh, so, but yeah, yeah. And uh, for everybody listening, if you want to check it out, just go to Warcaster.com. If it's after the Kickstarter is over, you'll you'll find all the info you need there. And if the Kickstarter is still happening by the time you listen to this, it'll have a link to the Kickstarter. And uh, if you if any of the crazy space stuff we said sounded cool, you can go find out more there. It's going to yep. be awesome. All right. Well, thanks for listening to our show. And, uh, and uh, find us at spellstormminiatures.com uh, and uh, find Will at privateyourpress.com. I'm going to say hello, and then I'm going to say that I'm excited to do this, and I'm going to say that I had a two-hour uh, battle report just before this, mm-hmm. and then had to rush to go eat, and I've never eaten a hamburger that fast before I got on this phone call. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. I was I was watching you on the stream before uh, Dan came and <laughs> oh, picked that's me so up, funny. So. That's so funny. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get started then. <laughs> Thank you.
Tchau, tchau.